the chair comes out, you know it's TLC time. <laughs> Ain't no point in working hard. Might as well sit down and do it. All right, good evening, everyone. Right, yeah, good morning. Sorry. <laughs> so um, this evening, I'm glad that we started out uh, the way we did with prayer because my heart has been really heavy lately. And so um, exactly what he asked us to pray for was what my heart has been um, heavy on all day long. And so um, I praise God for what he's doing with the Revival Center. And uh, praise God for the transition that we are um, heading into. And we've been here before, y'all. <laughs> transition. We've been through transition before, so it's nothing new. It's just um, now we know how to uh, react a little better. And um, so I, I pray for you all during this time of um, transition, during this time of um, this whole different level of teaching that we're doing. It's, um, it's no joke as far as um, the TLCs and <laughs> the, the elders and the leaders, they're feeling the pressure of TLC. Um, studying the materials, um, this stuff, we, we, we never went this route in church before about learning the background of scripture and uh, looking at the hermeneutical approach and looking at the original audience and all the exegesis and all that stuff. They rely on that for the seminarians and those who are called to preach. But I believe, I believe that everyone who was called um, who was called by Jesus Christ has the capacity, has the ability to learn the word of God in this manner, the way that seminarians do. And um, I want to save you all thousands of dollars going to Bible college, okay? <laughs> amen. <laughs> because the loans that I have out, <laughs> amen, is more than my house, amen. So, <laughs> And so um, I believe that um, we shouldn't have to pay for it to learn the word of God. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't believe that, um, uh, making people pay to, to understand the mind and the thoughts of God. I understand the work that goes behind it, no, no doubt. There's a lot of work, but I know that my reward is in heaven. Um, so I love doing this type of thing. I'm learning to love to do this thing. And so um, I want to encourage you all to keep on studying and keep on learning and keep going through the process um, because it's going to be rewarding after a while. Um, you're going to look at scripture differently. Um, you're going to handle scripture differently. You're not just going to be quoting scriptures and not knowing what they mean. Um, those days are over. Um, don't be afraid when people start quoting scripture. Okay. The way to shut them down is to ask them, so what's the... What's the situation behind the text? And they'll get quiet because they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> right. They start tripping up and saying some off things. But, um, but yeah, I just want to encourage you all. Um, and so you may, uh, may ask, like, why are we going this route as far as um, learning about Jewish history? And we have to um, understand, we have to know that the, the scriptures were written to, for, and by the Jews. And so we have to understand Jewish thought. We have to understand Jewish culture 
in order to understand what God was saying to them at that time. And so um, going, going this route is tedious, but it's, it's rewarding at the same time. And so um, we must understand how God said it to the Jews first. And then from there, we're able to understand what God is saying for us today. Um, we don't want to jump from the Bible to application. We don't want to jump from observation to application. We want to make sure that we're interpreting the scriptures correctly, then going to application, okay? Um, and so um, knowing the fact that the scripture was given to the Jews first, um, Paul says in Romans chapter 3, it says, what advantage is there being a Jew and what value was there in circumcision? Much in every way, first of all, the Jews have been entrusted the oracles of God first. And we have to respect that. And uh, we have to understand why God gave the oracles uh, to the Jews first. Okay? And so there is an advantage to learn about the Jews and, and um learning why God entrusted them with, with his precious word. And, um, and so now we are partakers. We have, the, um, we have the ability, we have the capacity to take on the word too. And God is trusting us with his word. And so we have to treat this um, like gold, treat it like, um, like uh, something precious. I think we um, use the word haphazardly to, you know, we don't really... Um, value the word like we need to. And so um, studying Jewish history in the background and um, intertestamental period puts us on the fast track to recognize error, okay? Um, when like I said, when people are quoting and using scriptures out of historical and con um, cultural context, it, it, it shouldn't worry us, but it should give us a relief that we know exactly where they're making the wrong, where they're erroring at, okay? And at that time, that's a point where you can minister, that you can help, that you can teach, because if you are called by God and you're walking in discipleship, then you will hear the call to teach, the teaching ministry, Okay, and so you want to be able to minister correctly um, to your to your brother and sister. That way, you have won them over. Okay, so you want to um, make sure you're you know continuous studying and all that stuff. So last week, um, I just wanted to just throw that out there, give you a word of encouragement or whatever. So last week we um, you're welcome. Uh, last week we uh, <laughs> looked at. Um, we were going into the, the route of the intertestamental period. And um, let me see, what's, what's first here? Uh, oh, yep, it will help. Ah, there we go. Um, the review last week, we um, started with Israel coming out of Babylon. At that time, uh, Babylon was captured um, from the, the city of Persia, right? They were captured by the Persians. And so King Cyrus sent the Israelites back home, right? We're pretty familiar with that story. We talked about it in Matthew as well. So we should be familiar with that. Um, so when um, they went back to their hometown, Jerusalem, um, that right there started the restoration period. Now, I know you guys um, heard me say that the Old Testament is broken down into four sections. You got the formation, 
That's when the um, Israelites were formed into a nation that happens during Exodus 19, 12, well, Exodus 12 through 20. That's the formation of the Israelites. Next is theocracy. That is when um, God is ruling and God is um, ruling through the judges. That's the, the period of judges, okay? Next is monarchy, which is the uh, ruled through kings. You got King David, you got King Solomon, and then the restoration period in which they're coming from exile and going back to their hometown. But we will learn um, through the intertestamental period that they um, did not receive full restoration. The prayers of Daniel is, um, is where the, the whole storyline starts. Um, Daniel chapter what? Who remembers? TLC question number one. <laughs> Daniel chapter, my God, nine. nine. Oh, oh, no, no. No mail. No mail. Always come in late, answer late, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Daniel chapter 9, remember the visitation from Gabriel? Yeah, that's in Daniel chapter 9. That kind of gives us the backdrop. Daniel was praying. Uh, he was saying um, it was coming close to, um, he was thinking of the prophecy that Jeremiah gave, um, saying that the, the Israelites were, were going to be in captivity for 70 years. It was coming close to 70 years, and Daniel began to pray. And said, Lord, what is it? What's next for my people? And then that's when the angel came. Remember, there was a lot of trouble in the heavens. Y'all know that story, right? And, um, and so when Gabriel came, he told him about four nations that were going to be taking over, um, taking over the Israelites. The four nations is what? Rome is one. Persia is number two. Ooh, y'all rusty. Yeah, Greece and one more. The first, the first uh, nation that took them over, Babylon. All right, I'm gonna keep y'all on y'all toes tonight. So yes, that's the four nations: Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And so he had um, a vision of them uh, taking over the Israelites. And so the point that we left off last week was them coming under the Persian rule, right? So that's number two. And so, um, and so during, during this time, uh, Zerubbabel led them out. Um, Zerubbabel, I always call him Zerubbabel, but um, Zerubbabel. I know, right? I was wondering, I said, where did I get that from? Yeah, old school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zerubbabel led them out. Let's see here. Okay, yeah, this is the reason why um, I talked about they will not receive full restoration because there are a number of events that um, should go on before they receive full restoration. So when they left the, um, Babylon under Persia, they went back into their land, but technically it was not their land. It still belonged to Persia. And so they um, did not receive full restoration at that time. So there had to be a time of the Gentiles, the desolation of the temple that happens during the intertestamental. We'll talk about that. Um, oh, forgot. B before I continue, I put in the family page, 
the presentation. I just posted it, okay? Okay, I hope you didn't. Jesus. Lord. Okay. (laughs) It's still there? Oh, praise Jehovah. Now don't even tag, just go find it. (laughs) There's going, okay, next point. Uh, it's going to be a desecration of the temple. It's going to happen twice. It's going to be one in the intertestamental period, which we're going to talk about, and the other one is going to happen during tribulation period. Okay? Um, the next one is the new covenant. There had to be an institution of the new covenant. Then Messiah will come on the scene. Um, Messiah, uh, Jesus, he had to be cut off by the Jews. The Jews had to reject him. That was part of the plan. Okay, and then he's going to come back again, and um, that's his um, glorious appearing or second coming. Okay, so these things have to occur before Israel receive full restoration. Okay, so um, the events that are going on right now in history, uh, you got the the whole dec- uh, treaties, and you got the Abraham Accord, you got all these things. There, uh, Trump was trying to move the capital. Uh, back to Jerusalem, and um, they were talking about building a second temple and all that stuff. That's a bunch of fluff. I will say it on camera. It's a bunch of fluff because they believe that that will trigger the Messiah. And we can't trigger the Messiah. We don't have the power to tell God to come. So, and so they already missed the Messiah, first of all, the first appearing of the Messiah, and we talked about in TLC that they believe that Messiah, the Messiah is going to come and that he's going to come from the lineage of David. And the prime ministers that they have now are from the lineage of David. And so they believe that one of these prime ministers is the Messiah. Yeah, that's their belief. That's their belief. They're going, we're going to get back our land. We're going to have restoration. And that prime minister is going to lead us. Okay, so yeah, all right, okay. So, <laughs> so that's why they won't receive full restoration, okay? Um, I don't know if you can see that or not, but when they came out of Babylon, um, they didn't come just all in one bunch. They came in waves. Zerubbabel led 50,000 um, from Babylon. Um, Ezra led another group. Um, about 1,500, and then Nehemiah led a number of groups too. The number was unknown, but he led some people. And we know the story of Nehemiah, the cupbearer, right? We're pretty familiar about um, Nehemiah's story. We're not too familiar about Ezra. Ezra was a great prophet who, uh, who really didn't like Gentiles. <laughs> and, um, and so he, his, his goal was to restore the religion back. We talked about that last week. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it. So under Zerubbabel's return, Zerubbabel <laughs> return, uh, the temple was rebuilt, and we talked about that. That is called the second temple or Zerubbabel's temple, okay? And we talked about the problems that they had building it. And we talked about um, there was a group of people that signed petitions trying to stop the, the building campaign. And do you all know who they were? They were Samaritans. The Samaritans were stopping the building project. 
So this allows us to understand why the Israelites didn't like the Samaritans in the New Testament. The, they had beef from this point here. Yeah, the beef actually started back in uh, it's about 900 B.C., around about that time, 800 B.C., when the kingdoms were divided from northern and southern kingdom. And so Jerusalem is in the southern kingdom. And so they wanted to put another temple up in the northern kingdom in the city of Dan. And so the priests from the southern kingdom came up to teach them how to worship their God, how to worship God. And the Samaritans came in and brought their own God. They brought their own pagans. They um, intermarried with the Israelites. They caused all this havoc. Um, The Israelites um, thought the the Samaritans as being dogs. And so that's where the beef kind of started. And then they added fuel to the fire when the Samaritans, they wanted to help build the second temple. But the Israelites was like, nah, we don't want your help. And then it was like, okay, we got something for that. We, that's the, when they had those petitions. And then that's when they stopped the building project for 20 years. So it, Babylon came out, um, I'm sorry, um, Israelite, Isra, the Israelites came out of Babylon in 536, and they started the building project, but it wasn't finished until 516 because of all that issues that were going on, okay? So this leads us to the intertestamental period. Um, under Ezra's return, religion was restored. Remember um, with Jeremiah, he told the Israelites um, before they were captive under um, Babylon, he told them, they said, um, you might as well, when you you get captured, because you will get captured, um, you might as well play fair. Go ahead and intermarry, live a life amongst the Gentiles. And the reason why um, this was said was that the the Israelites were supposed to influence the Gentiles, supposed to bring them over to God. But the opposite happened. <laughs> Every time, the opposite happened, where the Gentiles became influential to the Israelites, and they began to worship their gods and live the life as a Gentile, okay? Because it was always God's plan for the Gentiles to come to him. It was always God's plan. Always God's plan. Like in the um, temples, you see there's always a Gentile court for them to come and learn about God. Okay? And so um, that, uh, what, that was what's going on. And so with Ezra, he, um, in the book of Ezra, I want to say chapter 4, chapter 6, he got into the, to- the town square. He got like a little stand and began to teach the word of God to the Israelites and they became remorseful and sorrowful. They began to cry and things of that sort. So that's when the, the uh, reinstitution of the religion came on the, came on the scene, okay? Um, in the, in the um, PowerPoint, let me see here if you can see it. Okay, well, no, you can't see it. But in the PowerPoint is a chart that compares first temple and second temple, Okay. Now, when you read commentaries, I want to prepare you. When you read commentaries, they may say during the first temple era or during the second temple era or during the third temple era. So the first temple era is Solomon's temple. Okay. So all the events that go on during that time. Second temple is Zerubbabel's temple. 
So all the events going on during the time. So uh, with Solomon Temple, it was from 965 to 586. 586, the temple was destroyed. Then the people were in captivity to Babylon, okay? So then the Zerubbabel's temple was built in 516, and then it was desecrated during the intertestamental period in 160, I think it was 168 BC, okay? Um, and so the Zerubbabel period is from 516 to about, actually, to about 20. They call it 20 BC. And then from 20, 19 BC to 70 AD is what, what we know in the New Testament as Herod's temple, which is the same temple as Zerubbabel. They, he just um, rebuilt it. He rehabbed it. Yeah. So it's the same temple. He just rehabbed it. So, yeah. Um, so when you read commentaries, you may see that when they say according to first temple, second temple, because we have multiple ways of discerning time. Remember I told you all that of, of breaking down church history. We have dispensations. We have covenants. And now we have temple. OK, that's where you'll, you'll see a lot of scholars use that time. And they also were used during the, the during the time of tabernacle of Moses as well. Okay, and that, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, about 1445 to about, uh, about nine, 970 or something like that, BC. And so that's, that's the time period for that. All right, um, okay, let me go back real quick. Um, and the last one's under Nehemiah's return, the holy city of Jerusalem was rebuilt. And so we know about him building the gates first, then the walls. Uh, and then um, building up the city. So that was under Nehemiah's, um, Nehemiah's uh, rule, okay? Um, okay, and, and also there's a chart in there um, that gives you a timeline of the, the temples as well, okay? This is something that you really want to kind of keep in your, in your files when you're studying. Um, they have the tabernacle at, at 1250. That's a late view. Okay, so you'll see scholars put Tabernacle 1250, that's a late view. The 1445 is an early view, okay? I use 1440, I, well, okay. So I use 1445, the early view, but the other dates are, are pretty, pretty accurate um, for the, the temple, okay? All right, so this is leading us to the intertestamental period. So now uh, we got the temple built, uh, we're under Zerubbabel. Israel do not have kings at this time. Zerubbabel is the high priest, and so now they're, they, uh, they're ran by priests. And the priest um, comes from the line of Aaron, the, the Levitical priesthood, okay? So um, that's what was going on during that time. Okay, so now the, the backdrop for the intertestamental period. So when we hear intertestamental period. I didn't hear the term intertestamental period until a few years ago. I always heard silent years, the dark ages and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I've been, actually I've been studying the dark ages for about 10 years under my previous pastor. Um, but uh, when I heard the intertestamental period, I heard that probably about three to four years ago. And so um, uh, the intertestamental period, the term intertestamental period comes from, I think, uh, it's uh, the Protestant view. Uh, 
let me let me explain the Protestant view. Under under Christianity, there is Protestant and Catholic. Okay, Catholic is considered Christianity. Okay, I don't think a lot of people know that. I think they think Christianity and Catholic is different, but it's actually an umbrella. I mean, it's actually a leg under uh, Christianity. So um, the Protestant is what. I guess we are considered Protestants, okay? You got the whole denominations and all that stuff, and some of us are non-denominational, which is a denomination. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just kingdom. So uh, so, uh, so under all these there, that's considered Protestant, okay? There are about today 50,000 denominations that exist, okay? 50,000. Every time somebody get mad, they start a denomination. So... Uh, <laughs> And so, or fellowship, that's what they call them, fellowships. Yeah, they call fellowships, i.e. denominations. Okay, so, um, and so um, the term intertestamental period came from the Protestants because the Catholics believe in the intertestamental period. They have the books of the intertestamental period in their, in their Bible. The Hebrew Bible has the Apocrypha and the Pseudepigrapha books. They have those books in their, in their Bible. Um, Pseudepigrapha. <laughs> Don't ask me to spell it. Pseudepigrapha. Amen. Amen. So, uh, <laughs> amen. Praise our God. So, yeah. Um, so, they, they have those books. But um, a known fact is that in the original King James it had the Apocrypha books. And so throughout the years of, of, of taking out books and putting them in, we learned about canonicity um, during the Bible study methods class about canons and how they take books out, put them in, because they don't like um, the wording or they don't agree with the author saying and all that stuff. And the Bible that we have now is 66 books. But there are more books. There are about 13 or 14 Apocrypha books and there are more pseudopigrapha books out there as well. And those books, the apocrypha books and the pseudopigrapha books were written during the intertestamental period. Okay? All right. Let's see here. Um, see, intertestamental period is misleading. The, the term intertestamental period is, is misleading for a number of reasons. The word intertestamental means literally between the testaments. Um, the word testament is not in the Bible. So instead of using testaments to divide scriptures, you will use covenants. Because if you say New Testament, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is still old covenant. Okay? So that's why you want to talk new covenant and old covenant. Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is technically old covenant. Okay, and when does New Covenant start? Uh-uh. Uh, yep, that shedding of the blood. That's when the New Covenant starts, okay? So um, that's something to also keep in mind, too. Uh, so we call this period by this name because it was a period of time between the writings of the Old Testament and the books that make up the New Testament. And... Um, the last book in the Hebrew Bible is actually Chronicles. Ours is what? Malachi. And so it makes sense that Chronicles is the last book because that's the decree of Cyrus. 
the last thing that is told to the Israelites is to go. And what we learn in Matthew, the last thing that, that Jesus tells his disciples is what? To go. So it makes sense that Chronicles is the last book. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. That's, um, that's a, I think, a very interesting fact. Uh, let's see here. Okay. From another angle, let me pull up this because my eyes are just not good. They're not good as they used to be. Um, from another angle, the period that Daniel calls, uh, come on here. All right, here we go. From another angle, the period that Daniel calls the latter days repeats um, the history uh, Israel monarchy. So the United Kingdom, um, Daniel talks about. So what I'm about, what I'm talking about now, Daniel outlines the intertestamental period. So those who say the intertestamental period is not biblical, Daniel talks about it event by event in the book of Daniel chapter 11 and chapter 12, okay? He talks about the United Kingdom, he talks about when it's divided, and he talks about the northern and southern kings um, after the, the desolation that results um, the judgment of the temple, the faithful Jews suffered tribulation, though they um, receive help to endure. And then finally, Michael, another Cyrus, will come to deliver the people from their exile. Okay, So all this information that I just gave is in that four gospel book. Okay, I'm not saying anything that y'all don't have access to. It's in the four gospel book. And there is another book actually in my bag that's called Israel in History. Um, that's, that's a really good book there. That's where I learned about the Samaritans. Um, that's a really good book. Um, and so during the, let me see here, yep. So going into the intertestamental period, we're at the third nation, which is Greece. Greece, um, the, the people who conquered Persia was Alexander the Great. We know about Alexander the Great. So um, he defeated the Persian king Darius. So what Alexander the Great did, this is the part I love, this, uh, <laughs> what Alexander the Great did, he asked the Israelites, at that time the high priest was Jadis. Um, he asked the Israelites, help me fight the Persians. And the Israelites was like, no, nah, we good, um, because uh, the Persians, they've been, they've been kind to us. And so Alexander was like, okay, I got y'all. Wait till I finish defeating this country, Tyree, and I'm coming back to get y'all. <laughs> and so what, what, what Jadis did, he put on his full priestly garment. I mean, from the mitre, from everything, everything. He had everything going. And so when Alexander came to fight Jadis, Alexander fell down and praised God. So it matters, your garment on which you carry and what you have on matters. I understand now the armor of God. Yeah, that's the armor of God. The enemy has to flee when you put on your whole armor. And the, priest, the priestly um, garment is another armor of God. It's an armor and what they wear going into the holy place. 
And so, um, so the, I thought that story was so, it was so powerful. And so under, and so, but um, since Alexander conquered Persia, the Israelites were still under Alexander's control. But, they, but their lives were saved because Alexander was about to kill them. And he was known for Alexander the Great for a reason, okay? But um, the armor, the, the priestly garments spared their lives, okay? And so um, Alexander, he brought the, the Greek culture over, and he brought over um, a lot of their um, customs and things of that sort. There's a term in the Bible you will see called Hellenized Jews. This is where it came from. This is um, the Jews that converted over to the Greek culture. You know, they were trying to do as much as possible of the Greek culture and still be considered a Jew. But the Jews who didn't like the Greeks was like, no, y'all dirty. Like, you know, he, they consider them dark. And um, those who walk according to the statutes of the law, they consider them light. Okay, so that's where the dark and light comes from. Actually, that comes from one of the intertestamental books, uh, one of the, um, oh shoot, one of the apocryphal books, the dark and light story is in there. And we sing it all the time, walk in the light and all that stuff. Uh, it comes from <laughs> the apocryphal books and it comes from this Jewish story here. And so, um, and so they begin to be conformed of the Jewish, of uh, Greek customs. That's when you um, see the, the Olympic games, all of the going to the movies and all the killings and all that stuff. The Jews, they loved that. They were enticed. They was like, okay, I might, I might be all right with the Greek, Greek world. Um, and so during the Greek era as well, that's when we got the Septuagint. Okay, you guys, I know you all familiar with the Septuagint. Tracy yells Septuagint. So we, <laughs> we should know the Septuagint. That is the Greek translation of the Bible. Okay, so that um, Bible was established during the time of the Greek era. Okay, later on is the Egyptian era. It's, uh, it's Ptolemies and Lysimachus and Cassandra and Selenus. But you will hear them, um, you will hear Ptolemy and the Seleucids. You, you'll hear that more than the uh, Lysimachus and Cassander. You don't really hear much about them. But um, under, under this period of time, um, see, so the policy of toleration followed by the uh, Ptolemies, by which Judaism and Hellenism coexist peacefully, uh, which was very dangerous for the Jewish faith. So here, during this time, um, people were trying to, you know, play both worlds, being a Jew and being, uh, being part of Hellenism. And um, uh, this led to other groups being formed, Jewish groups, which, which we know the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, the Herodians, the Zealots, they began to develop in this time. And we see those groups in the New Testament always picking a bone with Jesus, always trying to, you know, try Jesus. Uh, don't, you know, they say, don't try me, you know, don't try Jesus, you know. And so uh, they, they did. And so these, these groups were formed during the intertestamental period. And the Pharisees, remember, they held up the law. Even though they didn't really obey the law, the way they supposed to, they, they obeyed it the way they wanted to obey it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the Sadducees, 
had no problems with the Gentiles because they were politics. They were politicians. You know how politicians are. And so they were like, well, I have no problem with the Greeks. You know, I have no problems with the Egyptians because they were benefiting from it. They were getting money from it. Typical politician, right? So they, they had no, no issues with the Sadducees. Remember, the Sadducees, they only believed in the Torah. Remember? And what else they didn't believe in? Remember? They didn't believe in angels. Yeah. So they only follow Matthew, uh, not Matthew, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, and Deuteronomy. They didn't believe in any other parts of the Old Testament, and they did not believe in angels. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, the groups began to come on the scene here. So, um, let me see here. Okay. So about time the in the Egyptian era, um, as we know, during the high, you know, the, being a high priest, you had to come out of the Levitical line. Um, and so at that time, Jason was the, the high priest. And what happened during this time is that um, they began to bribe and but began to put their own high priests in place now. So the high priest position became political rather than religious. So the one who had the highest bid became the high priest. And so they moved Jason out of the way and they put this guy in, uh, you know, they, Antiochus, they put him in place. And that was the wrong person to put in place because in 168 BC, he set to destroy every distinctive characteristic of the Jewish faith. He forbade all sacrifices, outlawed the rite of circumcision, canceled the observance of Sabbath, and offering of sacrifices. He disallowed the celebration of feast days. Additionally, he mutilated, destroyed nearly every copy of the Hebrew Bible. Jews were forced to eat pork and make sacrifices to idols. His final act of sacrilege um, and the one spell is his ultimate ruin was the desecration of the most holy place building an altar and offering a sacrifice to the god Zeus. Yeah, as you can imagine, the Jews, they were steaming, they were hot. And so because of this caused the Maccabean revolt. You may have heard of the Maccabees, um, the, the book of Maccabees, you may have heard of it. The Maccabean revolt where, um, where Judas Maccabee, they call him the hammer. Um, he came in, the person, you know, they, they were standing there watching them bring their sacrifices to the temple. And they got to the point where they got so mad, that righteous indignation, they got mad and, and killed the, the person who was offering the sacrifices and killed all the politicians and killed all the political people that were around. And then they, they, and then they took back the temple and rededicated back to God. That's where you get the Feast of Dedication, a.k.a. Hanukkah. Hanukkah. That's where Hanukkah comes from. Um, they dedicated the temple back to God. And even in the book of John, you see Jesus celebrating the Feast of Dedication. Okay? So that happened during the intertestamental period. Um, we talked about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees actually meant separatists. And so they... Um, they didn't recognize the king unless they came from the lineage of David. So this is where it came from. 
Um, and so the kings that they put in place, they didn't recognize them. They didn't honor them because they did not come from the lineage of David. Um, those who opposed the Pharisees support the Hasmoneans um, were called Sadducees. They adopted their name from a Hebrew word meaning righteous. That's odd. Um, these names surfaced from the first time during the reign of John Hycrinus, uh, who himself became a Sadducee. Okay. Um, and then we know going into the Roman era, we learn about Antipater, right? We learned that in the beginning of the Forerunner series. Antipater, uh, son Herod, eventually became the king of the Jews because they told him that he was from the Jewish lineage. Jew, yeah, they convinced him. You know, Herod was crazy. He killed everybody that was around. He was paranoid. He killed his family. He killed everything. And Herod the Great, um, he was called and planned and carried out the building of the new temple in Jerusalem. And he was devout Hellenist and hated the Hasmonean family. The Hasmonean family is the family that took the temple back over after it was desecrated. So that's desecration number one. And I told you the second desecration is going to happen during the, uh, during the, um, the tribulation period. Okay. And so this is the events. As you see, it wasn't a quiet 400 years. No, not at all. It was a lot going on, a whole lot of events. I can understand why they may call it the Dark Ages because it was really a low point for the Israelites. They were to the point where they kind of lost their identity. Um, they began speaking more Greek. It was, it was very rare that you find someone speak Hebrew during, during that time period. Jesus probably spoke Greek. And he, I know he spoke Aramaic um, because of the scriptures. Some of the scriptures were written in Aramaic. Um, and then they said there were some other languages that Jesus probably knew as well. Um, so there was a lot of intermingling during that time there. And um, so this is important for us to know. Um, next, I think next week I'm going to kind of talk about the, the literature during that time because a lot of the literature that is um, during the intertestamental period, Jesus alludes to them, or he talks about them during his teachings. And we think that Jesus um, came to, uh, he came against the law, and um, he was a rebel against the law. Actually, he was the perfect model of the law. He walked out the law perfectly. And um, he wasn't coming up against the law Matter of fact, he was coming against the traditions of man, okay? You always hear that, you obey the traditions of man, then, then follow my father's command. He's talking about um, the writings, the rabbinical writings, a lot of the writings that they held up against, uh, above the law. And so we're going to talk about those rabbinical writings and all that stuff um, because they're very, they're very interesting. And the fact that Jesus alludes to them and the fact that he uses some of them to correct the Pharisees and the Sadducees with that is very interesting as well. So um, that's kind of the, the gist of the intertestamental period. I pray that you will all um, continue reading on it. Um, you got the PowerPoint. Um, in the four book, there's a whole section on the intertestamental period. If you have the New Testament survey book, yeah, there's a um, section in there as well. So I just pray that you will all continue studying because it's going to help you uh, in, your, in your journey of becoming a disciple of Christ 
Amen. So I'm just going to pray, and then the praise team will come up. Um, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. And we thank you, God, that you allowed us to know that you weren't silent during the 400 years. Matter of fact, you was there and present and very active. You are a God of covenants. So there's no way that if you're in covenant with your people and then you don't speak to them, that's not like you, Father. And so we crush, we crush that, um, that myth that God wasn't speaking during the time. And so, God, we continue to learn more of your word. We continue to, to just soak in your word. And so, God, I pray that these, these tools and these resources um, that you have given to equip the saints so they can go in and study the word for themselves, Father. I pray, oh God, that they will be beneficial, Father. I thank you, God, for the illumination of your word, God. I thank you, oh God, that we don't have to say we, we, will, we will understand it better by and by. But if we really dig deep into your word and really dedicate ourselves to your word, God, that we will, we will understand the thoughts of God in the mind of God, in the things of the spirit. And so God, we thank you, oh God, that nothing is hidden from us, oh God, that everything is available to us, to those who seek after it, Father. So God, I pray that you will increase their capacity, oh God, and that you will increase um, their hunger to learn more about you, God. For if they're busy learning more about you and doing research and praying, they don't have time for foolishness. They don't have time for pettiness and they don't have time to deal with people who are not in the same pursuit to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So God, we thank you and we, um, we, I pray for many blessings upon the people, God, that you will allow them to become teachers Oh, God, the ministry of teachers, oh, God. And I pray for those, God, who you're going to raise up to the office of teacher, Father. And I pray, God, that you will continue to um, ignite their hunger, God, for your word, Father. And allow them to um, explain the word, allow them to equip people with the word, God, um, as smoothly and uh, as uh, fluid, God. So we thank you, God, for what you're doing and what you're doing right now. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.